Okay, what do I do? You got it? Okay, good, good. All right, all right. Um, again, you may be sorry it turned on, but we'll, we'll go right ahead. Um, now, I want you to be honest. Did you really mean it when you said, thanks be to God, after this text was read? <laughs> That's a tough text. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. It's a, it's a long sermon. It's one of the longest uh, uh, red letter, grew, strung together of red letters in your entire Bible. It's, it's Jesus's. This is what's most important to me. And now Jesus is preaching. Now, last week was fun, kind of easy. We got, a, we got to play a little bit around with salt and with light. We got to play around with that. But now Jesus has gone to meddling. You know, he's gone to meddling. These verses that were read may be 17 of the most awkward verses in the entire New Testament. Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount, um, they're indelicate, they're direct. Anger, murder, hell, lawsuits, adultery, lust, divorce, and swearing. I almost feel like I need to apologize for Jesus right now. Jesus, don't you know that we don't talk about these things, especially in church, right? But they're important. Very, very important. Jesus is, is, is digging deeper, a little bit deeper than the law, right? The law, he's grounding himself in the tradition of the Tanakh, of the Hebrew Bible. He's grounding himself there. And he starts with the law, but the law doesn't cover every bit of us, right? Jesus, the leader, says this is more than just about obeying the rules. This is about letting the divine sink deeply into our hearts and our lives. This is the Jesus way, the kingdom way, the jubilee way. He really basically talks about four things, right? Anger, lust, divorce, and oath-keeping. And we may say, well, what does that have to do with me, you know? But couldn't this have been, I mean, like last night's headline. I mean, you just watch cable news, and what he said 2,000 years ago is just as uh, significant today as it was back then. Anger, anger. How angry are we as a country right now or as a world? We're just so angry at each other. We're just holding on to those grudges, you know? You ever heard somebody say you need to bury the hatchet, right? Well, we buried the hatchet, but we keep tripping over the handle, right? Because we love our anger. It feeds us. Lust. Don't we hear continually about sexual harassment, sexual abuse, sexual misconduct, people taking advantage of other people, treating other people like they're objects, not like they're human beings. And I tell you, puberty was just awkward for all of us growing up. But can you imagine being a teenager today with social media, with pornography just at the, at the touch of a finger? I can't imagine. I can't imagine it. I pray for our young people every day because it's so difficult. Divorce. Now, I'm going to say this a little bit later, but at, at, at drilling down the deep, deep, most deeply in divorce is about the mistreatment of women. We can talk about this later. 
about how easy it was for a, for a man to d- discard his wife and, and what that meant in that society. Or even keep keeping oaths. I mean, we live in the world of spin, don't we? So Jesus could have very well ripped all of these four things out of the headlines. So here's my four-point sermon. You have heard it say, says Jesus, you shall not murder. But I tell you, if you even have anger in your heart, if you even hate somebody else, you've already committed it. You see, what Jesus is saying is, is yeah, sure, don't murder. That's what every world religion says. But Jesus says if you have anger in your heart, you've committed it already. It's destructive in every direction, this resentment and anger. It blocks our discipleship. A few years ago, I caught the red eye and was going through Salt Lake City, you know, LDS, Mormons, they're just some of the neatest people in the world, and, they, and they're very disciplined. And I thought, I'm on a plane full of Mormons. I just, this is awesome. I felt great about it, really. Uh, just a lot of wholesome people. And, and I was talking to the guy next to me, and he was asking me, of course, what I did. And, oh, I'm a Methodist preacher. Oh, what do Methodists believe? And we got to talking. It was great. And right, you know, late in the thing, my back was hurting. If you're tall and lanky and you're on a plane... It just hurt. So it eased my chair back about two inches. And the woman behind me, with her bare hand, popped the back of that chair, and she stood up, and she called me by God's full name, first and last, and told me to pull that chair back up. I looked back at her, and I thought to myself, why, oh, why in the world did I tell this guy I was a Methodist preacher? You know, I, I got to be honest. Uh, but cat, cat was out of the bag, so I had to act like, a, you know, like I'm responsible. And I, I did lean over and said, the nerve of that woman. It was about 530 in the morning. And he looked at me and he said, wow, that sure is a lot of anger to carry at 630 a.m. What's it going to be like for that poor woman the rest of the day? I'm glad I'm not carrying around whatever she's carrying. When she screamed in my face, I didn't, I didn't talk a lot about that the whole time, but you know, when she screamed in my face and called me everything under the sun, I felt like the words went through my chest, that anger did. And the anger kind of got to me. It kind of rang in my mind and I wondered too the question that guy said wow what's going on in her life that at 5 30 in the morning she's that angry you know there are all kind of people in this world and for us many of us who are struggling to follow Jesus you know Jesus just does not let us get off the hook I, I, I wish I wish he did I wish he said there are times you can lash out at people, but he didn't say that. But Jesus, what about the people I don't like, you know? What about the people that push my buttons? Does anybody push your buttons? Usually those people who push your buttons, you start to think about, imagine, and project what they say and they do. You 
Believe it or not, when you carry the anger of somebody else, at least I do, I keep talking to them even though they're not there. Have you ever had a conversation? Maybe you're warming up for that so that you know what to say next time they put you down by the water cooler. We have this ongoing conversation with people that we hate or that we're angry with. And Jesus says, if you're carrying around the anger and you're ready to make a gift at the altar, you're ready to put some money in the plate, or, if, or, or maybe in today's version, if you're, if you're about to go take communion and there's somebody who's hurt or wounded you, leave your gift at the altar, he says. Go first and reconcile with them, then come back and make your offering. Why? Because anger held on will kill you. Jesus says, you shall not commit adultery. But if you have lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Now, lust is reducing a person to a body part. That's pretty much what it is. It's wanting to consume another person, to have power over that person. It's to create a fantasy about that person in your head, right? But Jesus would tell us relationships that are healthy aren't made in our head. They're made in real life. So Jesus says, cut it out. Recognize when it starts to happen. Stop objectifying people. All the sexual harassment, misconduct, abuse we've heard about, cut it out, says Jesus. There's a book called Run with the Horseman. It's, it's by a guy named Farrell Sams. And he describes a scene that takes place in a barber shop in a small town, probably like Brookhaven or maybe somewhere here in Jackson or in Brandon. And it's in a small southern town. It starts like this. Once Mr. Sam Perry... And I'm reading from his book now. Mr. Sam Perry was waiting his turn on a Saturday morning for a haircut and a shave. He was making detailed anatomical comments about each and every female who walked down the street or, at, or across the courthouse square. Finally, one young girl hove into view and Mr. Sam was silent. Mr. Lum Thornton loudly remarked, now there's a fine one and went on to describe the virtues of her uh, anatomy in graphic detail. Dead gummit lum, complained Sam Mercy, Sam Percy. Watch your mouth. That's my daughter. Mr. Isaac Hart flipped his brush around the neck of the current customer, creating a cloud of talcum powder. Sam, he said softly, every one of them girls was somebody's daughter. You know, we usually lust after pictures or strangers, people we can't name. A friend of mine told me one time, maybe the cure to lust is love. Because it's hard to objectify somebody that you love. It's hard to turn them into an object. Jesus said, you've heard it say, don't divorce. Now remember, when he was talking, it was all about the man. The man held all the cards in first century, and in some ways, it hadn't changed a whole lot, but for sure back then, women had zero rights. 
To divorce a woman in the first century would be to consign her to the death penalty or to the oldest profession in the world if she wanted to eat. In the Midrash, it's written in one of the ancient texts, if your wife burns breakfast, you can leave a certificate of divorce with the rabbi and he should go before lunch to tell the woman it's over, you're out. No, says Jesus, you are equal in my kingdom. The man and the woman are equal in my kingdom. There it is. If there was ever anything revolutionary that Jesus ever said, it was we are no longer objectifying women. Women are people, are human beings. And he was confronting the people who could so easily take advantage of women. You're both equal. Oath-keeping. Oath-keeping is common in every Religion, tell the truth, is what it's saying. Quit spinning and hair splitting. Just tell the truth. I have friends sometimes say this, and maybe I say it every now and then. Have you ever had somebody say, well, to tell you the truth, Blythe, have you ever heard that before? I bet in a court of law that wouldn't be good, like if you're a lawyer. But like, well, what have you been telling me this whole time, Right? And day after day, we talk about, we hear people lying and splitting hairs. And we say, well, they weren't under oath, right? Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Y'all, that's hard if you're a pleaser like me. Because you always want somebody to think you're saying yes to them even when you're saying no. Does anybody have that problem? Pleaseitis? I've got it. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't spin it. Don't nuance things. So people will think you were saying something you really weren't. You know, at the bottom line of all this is this. Just treat people like human beings. Every person you come across, you don't have to look up some law to figure out what to do. Do they have a name? Do they have a story? Are they in need of God's grace? Are they broken just like you are? Yes, 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 and yes. When we do these things that Jesus is saying, don't do, we begin to treat people as objects. And we begin to use people, and Jesus says, don't do that. Don't reduce anyone to a subhuman category. Jesus says, don't even call somebody a fool. Now, that's going to get me a little bit, because if you're driving a land, I mean, I don't say fool, but I say some other stuff, right? Somebody pulls that in front of you, what an idiot, is what I say. But the Greek word for fool is, it's like, I know, it didn't sound terrible. It's actually, when you say it, you spit, like you're hacking up something. Uh, Tim, come up and I'll, I'll say it in front of your face. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, 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 we won't do that. But it's like, it's like you're treating someone with contempt, so much so that you could spit on them. Jesus said, that person was created in my image just like you were. I don't care how broken or what they've done. You are to love them just like I love you.
just be human. You know, Jesus didn't come here so that we could have a fire escape. He's not saying try to get, we Christians aren't here just to try to get out of here. We're here to live more deeply. And it's really about deepening our relationships because really and truly, that's what matters. In his masterful book, Call to be Human, Michael Jenkins, who's a former president of Louisville Presbyterian Theological Seminary, he writes about faith through a series of letters to his adult children. Here's what he says. In the very first paragraph, he says to them, I'm plunging in where you are by responding to a question that you both have raised. As Christians, what is the point of our faith? He writes, there are dozens of ways that I could respond. But I think the best would be to come straight to the point. The purpose of Christian faith is for us to become human. I'll put it even more bluntly. Christians believe, he writes, that God became flesh and dwelt among us. And I do not for a moment think that God went to all the trouble of incarnation, let alone the trouble of being crucified, just to make us more religious. God became human to make human beings out of all of us. As soon as I make an object out of somebody else, I make an object out of myself. When Jesus summed up the message of the Torah later in this gospel, he says, Jesus says, it all comes down to love for God, love for our neighbors, even as we love ourselves. In Jesus, we know that life, that full humanity, what it means to be full human beings together, it has everything to do, you know and I know, it has everything to do with relationships between us. Jesus didn't just come to deal with the brokenness among us, among us, but the brokenness between us and our relationships. And we've seen the way that life is diminished or deflated when our relationships are broken. It's just draining. It just sucks the life out of you. Now, sometimes, you know, it takes two to tango and it takes two to reconcile. You can't be reconciled to every person that maybe you've broken or every person that's broken you. But you can let go. You can forgive them. You can make an attempt. You can ask for them to forgive you. What they do with that is really their own business. But remaining angry and grudgy with other people is like what one author said. It's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It just doesn't work that way. The good news of the gospel is that we belong to a God who values relationships. Jesus reminds us that ours is a meddlesome God. It matters how you treat other people, and it matters how they treat you. God is not content to leave us as we are, but God is forever at work to draw us together and to sozo us, to heal us, that our relationships might be repaired. I sure hope St. Luke's is a place where people can just relax in sozo. Where they can know that they may not be there yet, but God, I can tell by this ragtag group of people at St. Luke's that you want to heal me. So heal me. Y'all remember what Jenny said about her dad 
He wanted sight so bad. And Jenny as a child, she just wanted her dad to have sight. And like many who suffer, he, he suffered and self-medicated with alcohol. She prayed that he would, he would come back and be whole. But he, he lost his sight physically. But one day the preacher came and got him laughing on the porch, is what he told us, right? You could hear your dad laughing, Jenny. And he was invited to go to the revival. And he said, take me to the altar. And Jenny told us Wednesday night that I learned that my prayer was answered. That maybe my dad, who was still physically blind, could see better than all of us. God wants to heal the world. And God wants to start with you and me and us. So that we could be human. That's our invitation. So it turns out, it's pretty good news after all, what we heard Jesus say. Let us pray. Loving God, renew our humanity as we seek to follow in Christ's way. Stir up within us a desire to tend to our relationships that we might live and share and serve. So that we might give honor to the bonds of love and fellowship in which our lives are held. May our living be a means of grace and blessing and a witness to the new life you offer in Jesus Christ. Amen. I invite us to stand and sing and uh, our clothes.